are listening to Win Win, a podcast brought to you by the global nonprofit organization Win Women in Innovation. Each episode features inspiring innovators from the startup world, innovation consultancies, and Fortune 500 companies who share their innovation secrets and career trajectories every Monday. As for me, I'm your host, Zoya Kozakov, global product lead at Win by Night and product manager by day. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another week of the Win Win podcast. As the year wraps up, and I know I say that every week, um, I'm actually coming to you from Israel, which is where I am from, and I'm going to be out here for the rest of the year just relaxing and enjoying time with my family and podcasting with you as always. Speaking of innovation, though, it's been really cool to see how the government here is tapping into various technology use cases to ensure that people are complying with post-travel quarantine and also contact tracing. Just reminded me that there's always room to innovate, especially at the time that we are at now where innovation is so, so needed. Today's conversation is actually really interesting for that same reason because it's so multifaceted and this week's guest is Kelly Ling who I met at another women's organization called Aspire to Her and we are both mentors there and her profile really caught my attention for a few reasons. Kelly has had what's a traditional innovation career and also not so much of a traditional career in innovation in other ways. She's innovated on creating individual-sized chocolate treats for Ghirardelli Chocolate Company, but also worked in healthcare and consulting, and now, of course, at DoorDash, where she recently transitioned from a learning and development role into more of a strategic initiatives role across customer experience and support. So, so much breadth and depth there to explore. We dive into Callie's other career side hustle, which is leadership and career coaching. We talk about how leadership and innovation varies from traditional leadership and really challenge the notion of what a customer is, because especially in DoorDash's case, that may be anyone from the dasher to the customer to the restaurant, which is definitely a complex customer matrix. So without giving away too much, I hope you enjoy this week's episode and please do reach out with any feedback as per usual. So off we go with Kelly. Hi, Kelly. Welcome to the Win Win Podcast. Hi, good morning, Zoya. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have you. And we met through Aspire to Her, an amazing organization for young career professionals. So first, big shout out to Jordan Detar and Joe Cheng. Your own career has had so many facets ranging from analyzing financial statements to working in corporate strategy and innovation and product and healthcare, and now, of course, leading up strategy, learning, and development at DoorDash. Oh, and you have your own leadership coaching practice, which we will for sure unpack. So I guess to kick it off, you started your career in a more analytical, traditional capacity, learning about the fundamentals of what it takes to have a profitable business. So what importance do you see of having that in your toolkit? And is the business acumen skill set one you'd consider important for a career in innovation? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for the question, Zoya. <clears throat> I definitely believe that having that um, kind of business acumen and financial literacy and being able to read financial statements and understand kind of how revenues and costs flow in and out of a company are important, both to just understand the big picture of, of the company's operations, but also in, in building credibility when speaking with um, different partners and stakeholders 
yeah, really like glad that I started my career that way. Learned quickly though that that wasn't necessarily my full passion. Um, I, I I had a lot of creativity. I was kind of excited about strategy and innovation, and so kind of saw that as my first um, kind of tour of duty or learning experience in the professional world um, to kind of set set up my career. And you know, vision retrospective vision is always twenty twenty. But I guess speaking to your passion or what you think really sums up your career, or what you've learned about yourself. What, what would you say that that passion is? Yeah, that passion um, it comes from sparking aha moments in people. Um, so it, it took a long time to realize that um, it was actually kind of working with people and being able to inspire and create an environment where that aha moment exists. That's what gives me joy. That's what gives me passion. And honestly, I think that's where I make the biggest impact. Um, and so that's that's shown up in a couple of ways. One is in that innovation strategy piece where you're working in such a large cross-collaboration um, stakeholder environment uh, where you have to pull in insights and different inputs from different people and kind of bring it all together and then share it back out to those same individuals. And that's where the ideas spark. And specifically in innovation, you know, creating creating that uh, safe space, kind of sometimes it's a little bit silly, sometimes it's a little bit creative, um, but having some of those ideas spark is just, it's amazing to see, um, to take people through that process and, and watch that innovation happen. And then the second place where that happens is also in learning and development, <clears throat> which is where I spent the last year and a half of my time is leading a learning and development team. Um, the aha moment is not quite that creativity spark, but it's a learning moment. Um, so whether you're training for onboarding or learning a new skill or learning, um, especially things like soft skills or active listening. And when you hear when you hear someone activate that skill and then it works so well, um, another just really exciting part of that aha moment that I seek. You do come before some of these more innovation-driven roles, let's call them. You do come from a world of consulting. You worked at a big four consultancy. You know, people give frameworks sometimes a bad rep. They're like, oh, I don't use frameworks. Frameworks are a consulting thing. But I personally see tremendous value in them. And I am curious, you know, meshing your days in consulting and, and where you are today, do you think there are frameworks for sparking the aha moment and in innovation? I, I do think so, um, but sometimes it's it's actually co-creating the framework that's a way to start. Um, so certainly, if you're working with a big traditional company, the frameworks already exist, um, mm-hmm. so you can use those, and those will those will guide you to um, generally guide you to a solution. But sometimes in the world of kind of innovation or creativity, you want to throw the framework out the window and kind of start from scratch. Um, but what I've realized is starting from scratch actually just then means creating a framework with your innovation group. Mm-hmm. And then what, what is the framework that you want to then tackle a new problem? And so the first step is creating that framework. Then once you have that framework, um, answering it in a systematic way. Um, so yes, I think, I think frameworks are really important, um, whether they already exist or they're something that you derive as a team. Um, and then something that I've just followed um, since since learning about it in business school and after is using the design thinking framework. Um, so really kind of starting problem solving with an exploration phase, kind of talking to the customer or talking to your end user and really just listening and hearing what those core problems are um, and going, going outwards and expansive and really just kind of going wide before then converging into what some of the solution areas might be. And in your previous role at DoorDash, you mentioned that you were, you know, leading up learning and development. So, of course, DoorDash is not a education company. Uh, it's it's a it's a tech company specializing in deliveries. So, really curious about what learning and development at a company really means. 
Yes. Um, and so I was in a unique role in, in learning and development, in particular on our customer experience and support team. Uh, so at a company like DoorDash, uh, customer experience is a, is a huge part of it. And um, sometimes things go wrong when when your food or your groceries or something is being delivered. And so part of the experience is, you know, how does how does DoorDash make it right for the customer, whether you're the consumer, the merchant or the dasher that's experiencing a problem? And so on the learning and development side for customer experience, it's about how do we how do we work with our business stakeholders to design what that experience should be for the customer? And then how do we take that experience and break it down into a learning experience for our support representatives? Because they're ultimately the humans that are delivering on this experience. And so our support representatives will have a combination of kind of tools at their disposal, and then they'll have their soft skills, including things like active listening, being able to hear what the customer problem is, empathize with them, um, and then resolve it as fast as they can because, you know, people, they want their food. Um, and so resolve it um, and then make sure that the customer feels heard, make sure that um, they continue to come back, ideally make what was could have been a terrible experience actually a reason to continue to stay with DoorDash. Um, and so, again, learning and development is around working with business stakeholders, understanding the experience to be delivered, then using breaking that down into learning experiences for our support representatives. And when you talk about it, it, it does seem so intuitive yet so structured. Uh, recently, we had Jana Gilbert, who is the president of the innovation consultancy Luminary Labs, come onto this podcast. And she spoke about how, you know, she, like you, has a very traditional business background. And she was saying she almost wishes that, uh, you know, there was an innovation degree that really combines the business and the design and all of that. You, of course, again, possess those skill sets and not have had a quote unquote innovation degree. So, my two follow up questions are, you know, how do you step into that sort of role, especially as you pivoted industries? And and two, do you think there are ways to really learn an outside of just having work experience? Excellent question. You know, earlier you asked about frameworks and kind of, do you believe in frameworks and do, do you need those to be successful? And I think innovation is one of those interesting interesting industries where if there were a degree for it, and there are some certainly, um, but if there were a degree, that kind of means that the, the structure or the framework is already set. And that might actually go counter to a lot of folks who end up in the innovation space. As, I, as I've leaned into the space more and more and kind of understand my colleagues' journeys, a lot of them are, they're so kind of circuitous and they go roundabout and they start out from totally different places and industries, but um, they find themselves together with some similar traits, things like um, kind of active listening and looking for the aha moments, being able to create environments, um, which is a, it's, it's certainly a soft skill. So yeah, you know, I think if there's an innovation degree and pathway, absolutely, and it'll be more of a straight shot to get there. Um, but I absolutely don't think that is necessary. And in fact, I think there are so many different ways to get there. And that's kind of what that's like a bond of those who who end up in this space. That said, you know, there's there's innovation in design consulting firms. And so if you know, kind of early on, that's the way that you want to go. Um, that's a really great great way to um, start off your career and you'll get a super solid foundation um, in how how to like pitch innovation and strategy, how to kind of come into companies and, and lead through strategy and design, um, which isn't always an easy sell and sometimes requires a bit of a um, value prop conversation. And if you can learn that early on, then you'll get to have, you know, your lifetime in your innovation role. And then touching on on the pivoting into this space for you. Yes. 
So, so at my role in Change Healthcare, leading corporate innovation, did a lot of work to kind of teach and provide learning programs actually around innovation. And in particular, things like Lean Startup, or at that time, Blitz Scaling was really, mm-hmm. was really in vogue. Which was is, the you know, term. <laughs> yes, uh, you've passed small startup. And so now you're a scale up and, you, and you're still moving fast and you're, and you're slightly bigger. Um, and so I kind of got to a point where I was done, I would say, preaching it or teaching it. And I wanted to actually get, get in get in that um, with a company who was, who was living and breathing it. And so DoorDash was a pretty obvious choice. It was um, was an exciting space. Food delivery was exploding kind of across the world. Um, in the U.S., obviously, it was um, doing really well. And so, yeah, so DoorDash was an exciting choice. And then customer experience made a lot of sense for me because, you know, innovation is so customer-centric and um, customer-focused. And so that's where I spent a lot of my time was kind of working with, working with customers, helping teams understand how to work with customers to get those insights, to do things like empathy. The interviews. And so that's what ultimately brought me into uh, the customer experience role. We've spoken about it at this interview, but you've really done all the different aspects of a business, whether that's, you know, consulting, the business part, brand, uh, product. And I guess I'm curious, looking now that it, the role that you're in, how have you really balanced, you know, the product thinking, which is really about implementing the product and moving forward to also that innovation lens of, hey, hold up, we need to stop, we need to ask questions, we need to make the time for design thinking and, and ideation. How have you really now balanced all of that? That is a great question. I don't know if I figured that out fully. Um, I will say we we move really fast, and I think that's a that's a great advantage to us. But what that means is sometimes there isn't always time to do the full full blown program of of design thinking and um, kind of the the large scale project. Um, but what that means then is you're taking those principles and you're doing it while while you're building, right? So as you're creating that next product and you're putting that roadmap together, you're building in customer interviews along the way. For us, um, customer anecdotes and quotes are just as important as as the data. And let me tell you, data is very important. You cannot mm-hmm. make a decision without data, um, but you also can't make it without having that customer voice kind of backing it up. And so there's a really strong culture of pulling in the voice of the customer at every point along the path. And so, yeah, I would say, you know, it's, it isn't your traditional kind of design thinking where you do kind of that full exploration up front and move it kind of through all the kind of stage gates. Um, but every step along the way, we're, we're building in the customer voice, we're testing, we're learning, um, we're always willing to be wrong. So everything we do is a test. We start small. Uh, we do the unscalable in the beginning, make sure that there's customer validation before investing more and going big. What I also find really interesting, though, both for the time that you came into the company and your role, is that you did come into a time in the company's lifespan where it's not a brand new product. There was, you know, a very strong foundation. You said that it was, you know, already at the at the leadership table of its category. So how do you really again, also balance taking that agency and bringing in something new, as well as knowing that you have to measure up the competition and there's a lot in place and a lot has been thought through. Because I know a lot of people really either feel like they have to join a very early stage startup or they feel like they have to stay within the constraints of the corporate world, if you will. Well, I think the good news is there's there is so much more market share out there. You know, even there, there's plenty of competitors out there, but 
you know, people eat several times a day and they mm-hmm. go grocery shopping several times a day and they're, you know, they're ordering gifts right now for the holidays. And so there's all, there's all this opportunity that today isn't necessarily done through, um, through DoorDash or through delivery in general. And so, uh, even though, yeah, even though there's market leadership, there's a, a long way to go. And I think that's actually what keeps all the competitors hungry, right? Is that there's, we're not fighting for a closed share. There's, there's expansive pie. With that, I was talking about speed earlier, and I think that's something that we continue to pride ourselves on as a way to continue to innovate, um, grow categories, grow use on our traditional platform, um, start to continue to educate customers on other ways to use DoorDash other than um, just food delivery. Uh, so, so yeah, I think it's, it is about speed, you know, not letting your guard down just because you're a market leader at any given time. And continuing to see how else society can use this type of service. And it's funny because I work in the financial services, which, you know, the word commoditization comes up all the time because a lot of people don't necessarily feel personally attached to the bank of their choice or even the credit card of their choice. For you, you are in a little bit of a different space. But, you know, if you consider the notion of food delivery, it can very quickly become a commodity. So I guess for you, what are new ways that you are thinking about this space? Maybe what are analogs that are excite you or other industries and as a continuous learner? Or what are you really focused on learning? Yeah, well, so that's one. Re- I, that's why I would say customer experience is, is so important. And again, why I'm so excited to be in this space um, as a very fast moving, <clears throat> sometimes called commodity type service. Customer experience can really differentiate you. You know, how, how are you treated if, if something didn't show up in your order that you were expecting or it was a little bit late? Um, are you are you done with us <clears throat> or are you going to come back and actually tell your friends how um, how great your experience was? And so I think there's a lot of room to continue to innovate in that experience and, and continue to delight customers and continue to move actually kind of upstream beyond just when something goes wrong, but to be creative and build that relationship with you kind of all along the way. Again, not just even when you order and have an order um, in flight, but even pre-order or helping you think about what might your next order be or what kind of chores can we do for you? What kind of tasks can we get done so that you have more time back in your day? Um, so I think there's there's a lot of exciting opportunity in customer experience to continue to innovate. I I am excited to continue to learn how our customers change and evolve. You know, at this point we we have customers, but we have the opportunity to shape their usage of our, of the platform. And so how do we how do we invest in that relationship? How do we continue to get closer? How do we become that that trusted partner? And so I think we have so much to learn through um, think like thinking about new concepts and testing that out with market, letting customers tell us what they need, right? And again, customers are not just consumers, but it's the dashers, it's the merchants. Um, what do they need to be successful? What do merchants need to continue to grow in, in a space where, you know, people aren't always going into restaurants, right? Um, deliveries kind of there to stay, kind of ghost kitchens are popping up, all these uh, all these opportunities for merchants to innovate. How do we become their partner? Um, dashers, how do we get them to stay with us, right? There's, there's so many different gig opportunities for them. How do we get them to stay with us? How do we invest in them um, for for dashers, a lot of times it's, uh, you know, things around how, how do we make sure you're meeting your financial goals? How are we a big part of that? And not just not just in the money that you're making, but also providing the resources to help you get there. Um, so I, I just am excited to continue to learn about our customers and what they are excited about and what moves them and use that as kind of a, a feedback loop to continue to improve our service for them. 
And I think the other really exciting, maybe less spoken about element uh, of DoorDash is the fact that for a lot of the dashers, this is for some people, it may be their full-time job, but for others, it's an opportunity to really supplement their income and really, and really lean into the gig economy. I know that, you know, when I was a college student, I was always looking for ways that I could make more money and also have agency of my own time. I know that you have your own leadership coaching practice. Of course, uh, I think that makes you a, a member of maybe less the gig economy, but more the creator economy. So just really curious to hear how you went about starting your own additional thing and, and what role that has really played in your life. Yeah, I think so. You touched on it, that agency piece. Um, you know, it's, it's something that really does keep dashers coming back. Uh, they, they can set their own time. They can set their own schedule. They're entrepreneurs on our platform. And so I'm, that is something that drives me as well. Um, and I would say, actually, it is, it's a, it's, I'm definitely in the creator space, but also in the, the gig economy space. That's, that's where I started. I, I know just kind of growing, growing up the different, the different ways that I would kind of lean in and get back to the community were things like mentorship, like in Aspire to Her or doing admissions interviews for MBA program or kind of giving back to the community in ways that are focused on professional development. And so I learned about, uh, coaching websites that, paired basically a platform that paired coaches with those who needed career coaching. Uh, and so I, I joined that as a career coach and that was my first kind of foray into career coaching and met my first few clients that way. From there, kind of learned to hone hone my coaching skill and coaching. I had already been coaching for some time, mostly in that innovation space, so focusing on innovation coaching, um, and then realizing that in innovation coaching, I was doing kind of individual and career coaching as well. And so, so yeah, that was my first opportunity. I stayed stayed with them and just did a couple a couple of clients a month, um, continuing to hone my skill and realizing that like, hey, this is this is something that I. I'm really great at. Uh, I love, gives me so much joy, so much energy. And so I've continued to invest in that part of my, my personal and professional brand as well. Um, so I've stayed with Higher Club, but I'm, I'm also kind of working through a coaching certification program and starting to um, create, you know, my niche and my own personal brand. And in, in doing so, also bringing these learnings into my role at DoorDash, um, where I can serve to be a better better coach for my team, kind of a, a person a person that people can come to to trust to work on either kind of issues at DoorDash or how to, pro- how to progress their career forward. And so it's actually become a really great relationship all the way around. So lots of questions around coaching. So I think let's start with the first one, innovation coaching versus general tradition leadership coaching. You know, what would you say are the differences and what's really important to consider there? Yeah. So, so to me, innovation coaching is, um, you know, you're, you're working to figure out a business problem or a, a research problem first, right? You know, how, how might we get customers to adopt X, Y, and Z, right? Or, you know, what, what's driving like the decrease or increase in a certain customer behavior. So you're coming together with a group of folks. Generally, you have a, a DRI or a directly responsible individual for figuring that piece out, building a diverse team to be able to answer it. And so a coach in that sense kind of leads through, you know, if there, if there isn't a framework already helping facilitate creating a framework or looking at different frameworks to choose, okay, what's the right framework to answer this question? And then kind of moving, moving that team along from different phases, you know, and then again, creating like accountability systems. So what is it that you, what is it that you learned over the last week to be able to move forward? Um, is there a decision that needs to be made? What are the decisions that are out there? You know, how do you create a prioritization framework? So that's some of the pieces that help you kind of move forward in a research problem to get 
get to a final um, answer. For traditional like career coaching or leadership coaching, the research problem or the problem is less business specific and it's more specific to that person. Um, so maybe it's, you know, they're looking, maybe they got some feedback on a, like a performance review and there's a behavior that they want to work on or improve. A lot of times it's around communication or being able to be, um, have a stronger voice at the table or be able to present um, in more concise ways. Yeah, sometimes it's about looking, moving into that promotion space, right? How do you get yourself ready for that next role? Um, I focus a lot on career pivots. So someone who, you know, they, like myself, maybe started in like finance or started in something that wasn't their long-term thing. And so how do you, how do you find out what you want to do next based on what you're excited about, what you're passionate about? And then how do you translate what you've done in the past to, to that new space? Um, so that's, that has become a bit of a niche as well as I really, I enjoy negotiating. I enjoy the um, kind of positive outcomes that can come out of it and the win-win, pun intended, um, <laughs> that can come out of negotiations. And so those are the, the areas that I like to focus on when I'm in my leadership coaching practice. You know, both tactically and strategically speaking, you mentioned that you were getting uh, a certification. So I think it would maybe be helpful for other people to hear which one you're getting in case this is something that they're considering diving into. And I think the second piece of that is, you know, now that you're in this space or you've been in this space, your role has really changed to working for a company to actually being your own company and really having to pitch yourself and sell your own services, which I think is a skill set that's really different and also can be harder for women. Yes. Uh, so certification is not necessary for coaching. Um, there are plenty of amazing coaches out there that haven't gone through specifically what I, the, what I'm getting certified in, which is the International Coaching Federation. So first I'll say like not needed to have a really high quality coach. That said, ICF International Coaching Federation is uh, one of the key global standards for coaching. Um, so it's known kind of throughout, throughout the world. And um, when you have the certification, you kind of know the the training that other other coaches went through to get it. Um, and it's a pretty rigorous system. Um, so you have, you know, at least 100 hours of training, including live, co- live coaching hours where you get feedback and critiqued, 100 hours of paid coaching um, that you have to submit before you can get the certification. And so for me, I, I really chose to do it um, three years after I started my coaching experience. So again, wasn't wasn't certified when I started because it is such a it's a, such a huge time investment. Um, but because you know I started out um, really liking it, I knew I wanted to get into it further. Wasn't ready to go kind of full full independent, right? Still um, learning a ton from the corporate world, corporate life, and not done there. And so for me, really, the next step was to continue to learn more about the space. And a good way to do that, a way where there's already a framework, um, was through IFC. And so that's um, that's actually currently where I am on my journey. And I'm again. Sometimes you you find your people or you meet your people, whether that's in the innovation space or whatever industry. Um, meeting my people in the coaching space has opened my eyes into all the different kind of channels and avenues of coaching that's out there, um, including uh, you know business development and how do you start your own practice and you start to have this support system of folks who've gone and done it on their own. Um, and so uh, that's yeah, that's where I am. And so you know I I continue to see this as something that is a part of my overall kind of portfolio of work, um, at least in the short term. Um, but now have that have have my my team kind of my my board of advisors there to help me get through the next stages and so um, yeah I should be certified by the end of the year and then um, looking to do continue to do independent coaching as well as a little bit of project work to refine my my skill and my my brand and my niche and then about pitching yourself to others good question 
the program that I specifically chose um, to get certified has a, has a part that is focused on professional or on business development and how to how to create your brand, how to put yourself out there, um, you know, create a website, kind of whatever it is. And so there's a lot of great resources from there. I think for myself, um, because I've done so much work in kind of innovation and customer interviews and you know a bit of marketing as well, um, I'm I feel I feel like I would take a similar approach to. Um, refining my message, refining my pitch. I, I feel like I have the skills already to to get myself there. Now, today, it's again, it's I'm kind of taking baby steps into my full full brand, and so it's been easy to pitch myself because right now I'm just sharing my story, even mm-hmm, even on, mm-hmm. on podcasts like this, or I'm using platforms where I'm already paired with people, and so that pitch really just comes in that bio that I put of myself. But yeah, over over time, I plan to use that innovation skill set to um, really listen listen to my cu- customers, focus on focus on my niche or my couple of niches to make sure I understand their core problems, and I'm able to present um, my my services in a way that is meaningful. I love it. Very, very exciting. So I guess to wrap all of that, I know you have multiple industries, but really just considering customer experience and support and the, you know, the delivery space, I'd love to ask you one last innovation question. And that is, where do you see yourself and your industry one month from now, one year from now, and 10 years from now? Wow. Okay. One month from now. It'll be post-holiday season, uh, so I think that we'll have a, a huge set of learnings of what was different between this holiday season and even last holiday season in the space as things continue to move beyond um, food delivery, um, but now into like gift delivery, grocery delivery, some of these kind of um, quick quick delivery options. Um, so I think we'll be able to have those learnings and think about how does this um, how do we continue to evolve our strategy here. Um, for me personally, uh, I, I hope to be certified in, in coaching and start to think about what my um, project-based work will be in that space. In a year from now, so in the industry um, and specifically at DoorDash, we are we have an international strategy, and so continuing to grow, continuing to grow internationally while investing in our core business here in the U.S. Um, so I think that'll be a big, big part of it. And for me, you know, my last year and a half has really been focused on learning and development, um, but have made that pivot into strategic planning and initiatives supporting our leadership team. Um, and so a year from now, um, you know, my goal is to make sure that they're in a really good place of putting in kind of operating processes and cadences so that there's a strong operating um, heartbeat, especially as our as our group has grown more than doubled in size over the last year and continues to grow. 10 years from now, DoorDash and, and delivery will be the like convenience of choice um, for most people, right? Um, anything that you want or need, um, you'll, you'll be able to get from, from a DoorDash. And so again, like food, groceries, but things just like tasks, things like personal assistance, things that you can get done, I think we'll be able to help with that. Um, and then for me personally, I will, I think I will always have that innovation lens in whatever I'm doing. But at this point, I do hope to be kind of all in or fully in on um, leadership and executive coaching and be, uh, be a thought leader and partner in the space. Incredible. Well, thank you so, so much for coming on today and sharing your very wide lens of experiences. It's been a pleasure chatting. Thank you, Zoya, so much for having me. And thank you to the WinWin team. Thanks for listening to Win Win, brought to you by Win, Women in Innovation, and myself, Zoya Kozakov. 
If you enjoy this podcast, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit womenininnovation.co to learn more about our organization, programming, and other opportunities. And remember, when women innovate, we all win.